What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and TV shows that accompany those universes. Today, we will traveling. We will be traveling back to Middle Earth for honestly the first time on this podcast to talk about the recent Rings of Power by Amazon, the massive, huge production that they've put into this show. Uh, I've talked about it a few times on the YouTube channel, but now. Since the season is over, I thought I would gather together, not really a fellowship, but a group of people who really know what they're talking about and have a passion for Lord of the Rings and uh, definitely have a lot of thoughts to say on uh, this show. First off, we have a returning member. Actually, they're really both returning members because they both had a, a feature on this podcast before. But first, we have Mr. Parker Duncan. Parker, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty great. I... I really love this show, so I'm excited to talk about it. Very nice. Well, that's why we've brought you along, and we've also brought Mrs. Sabrina Anderson along. Sabrina, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm also very excited. I actually really did enjoy Rings of Power, so I'm really excited to talk about it. I did too, and if you are here on this podcast show to look for a podcast that's going to hate on the Rings of Power, I do not think this is going to be the podcast for you because I'm fairly certain by all of our accounts that um, I've, I've watched a few episodes with Bree, I've watched one episode with Parker, and we all seem to really, really enjoy this show. So if you're here to hate on it, we are not those people. So we're going to talk about what we love and some of the things that maybe were a little bit questionable, but overall I feel like it's going to be a much more positive experience. But I do have a lot to say on this show. So before we get into it, Subscribe on the YouTube channel and uh, leave us a review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It would go a long way for uh, our channel and our podcast, so it would be greatly appreciated. But anyway, let's get into it. Let's open our sling ring and head over to the Lord of the Rings universe. You have been told many lies of Middle-earth. Darkness will not over the face of the earth. Each of us must decide who we shall be. Rings of Power is out. It's finished. All eight episodes are done. We're probably not going to see another season of Rings of Power for a year and a half, probably two years, which is very sad. But now that the show is finished, we can finally get our thoughts out there. So I'll shoot this over to Parker first. You said you liked the show, but overall, what do you think was the main reason that really hooked you into this? Because for a lot of people, they really don't. And we have the unique opportunity here to really all come together on stuff that we love. So was there one element that really did it for you in this show? Or was it an amalgamation of a bunch of things? It was really a bunch of different stuff. Uh, there was just a few very small things that I would really have to nitpick to say that I didn't like about it. I don't really have really anything like overly bad to say about it. Um, I wouldn't really point to one thing that hooked me in. Um, yeah. Just more of the show as a whole, kind of the, just being, because yeah. that, that's, that's what I was saying when I started. I was like, it's just fun to be back in this universe. You don't get many opportunities. I mean, what, we've had six opportunities in the last 20 years to visit this universe? Obviously, we do it. I mean, I do it every year when I rewatch the films. But for new content, as new content goes, we've been in the theaters or at our home six times to watch something new. And now to tune in every week, is it's just really exciting. Bree, is there an element for you that you really liked in the show? Or was it just, like Parker said, the whole thing? Yeah, I don't know if I could really, like, sum it up in one thing. It's just, I mean, I've loved Lord of the Rings and that whole universe for a very long time now, as, you know, many people have. So it was just exciting to have, you know, like, new content. And I felt like, I think for me, what I it felt like it kind of captured, like, a heart of, like, Tolkien's message. And I'm sure if, like, any super fanboys are listening, like, they're going to yell at me and say I don't get it, but, like, I, it's why I didn't like the Hobbit movies, you know, um, is for the, that they didn't capture that, and it's, like, 
you have something that is worth fighting for and like that's why you fight so you've got like Bronwyn leading her people and the whole thing and it's she's not fighting just because she wants glory in battle and that's kind of like almost on the flip side where like you see Galadriel's kind of stumbling because she's kind of lost sight of that so I just think you know I really like the casting I like the acting I like that it's in time with what I've seen in Tolkien's work um with at least that core message there so so you would say that the rings of power captured the spirit of Tolkien I mean yeah you're right that a lot of people would probably disagree with you I I am sure that I'm going to aggravate a lot of people with that because uh, you know, I'm sure there's someone who's going to get mad at me. But like I said, um, I've thought, you know, for The Lord of the Rings, for The Hobbit, and as far as the books go, um, that the core message was, I mean, that's that's like Eowyn's whole story arc, um, is that you don't go to battle because there's glory in battle and in the conquest. The glory in battle is that you have something that you're fighting for. Mm. You know, that's why, like, Frodo leaves the Shire not because he really wants to leave and go to Mordor, but because the Shire is important to him and he needs to protect it. And that's why, like, when Eowyn settles down with Faramir, it's such a big deal to her because it's like the glory is in, not in, like, being a housewife, but in, like, healing and creating and, and having this, like, well, for her, it would be a kingdom that she is, like, overseeing and protecting making this safe place that's worth people going to battle for absolutely so parker you have been critical i we've had conversations about the films before about how you might not think they're good adaptions and they they, the spirit is kind of wrong are you with brie on this do you do you agree that it captures the spirit i do think that rings power captures the spirit um to all the super fanboys saying that the rings power didn't as someone who thinks that the movies missed it i think rings of power got it interesting all right well this is good because so for me i just read the silmarillion like i i finished the fall of numenor before the first episode like two days before the first episode of the show so it was very interesting i know both of you have read it before how long has it been parker since you've read the silmarillion i was probably in middle school when i read it um so it has been quite a few years um, so I did read the appendices like a few months before the show came out to prepare for it. I was going to read it over this past week, but I didn't get time to. So that's, that's the, that's the key issue here. And that's what I feel everyone is so mad about here, because this isn't a show that's really based on anything, you know, like this is set in a time period where not really much story has been told. You are told the outlines and the appendices and you kind of have all the previous information in the Silmarillion, but is it such a wise idea to make a show on something that is not really outlined? Everything that's come before it, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, have had a strict outline to follow, but it seems like more people are mad now that there isn't an outline than they ever have been with The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. So I guess is it a good idea to start to do this? Because you have this compressed timeline. They're really forcing everything together to gel into like five seasons of a show. I'm not sure as to the the time limit or how long the show is going to be. My theory is it's going to end in Mordor with the last alliance. But I guess, Bree, do you think it was a good idea to create a show based on just notes, I guess? I mean, I don't have any major issue with it, and I am someone who, I and I'll, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I hated the Hobbit movies, I wanted to like them so bad, and they just totally deviated from the source material in ways that I was like, I, I can't justify this change, you've kind of ruined the story in these films. Um, but I think from what I've seen, and from what I remember from like the Silmarillion and some of the surrounding information they're keeping it like similar but not like exactly the same and so i'm like kind of okay with that like christopher tolkien before he passed away had come out and said like he's never going to sell the rights to the silmarillion um so i mean realistically in our lifetime we're never going to see something that even has the opportunity to um be based on the silmarillion um so I don't know. I don't really have as big of an issue with it. I think if you get people coming in and they're like, we're going to give you Legolas's backstory and here's all the things. 
then I think, you know, that's getting into stories that don't maybe need to be told, but I think expanding on the universe and trying to respect the source material without like majorly changing it is okay, you know, by me. And I don't know how, where you guys stand on that, but. Well, cause I know, I know Parker, you, you don't mind the Hobbit, do you? Yeah. Um, so to briefly explain why I like the Hobbit movies, they had everything that was in the books and then Peter Jackson added more stuff that connected it more with Lord of the Rings. Um, for example, expanding on the Necromancer thing. When Tolkien wrote that there was Necromancer and Gandalf fought the Necromancer, he had no idea what was happening, going to happen later with the Lord of the Rings. When he wrote that Bilbo found that a ring that makes him invisible, he had no idea about anything going on in the Lord of the Rings yet. So, Peter Jackson kind of... I think he expanded on it in a good way. Um, I mean, there were some things that I didn't like that he added. Um, but yeah, that basically sums it up. I think we can all agree that the toriel Keeley relationship is a no-go. I think that goes across the board for all fans. But in a way, in a way, Bri, the point I'm getting at is I think that the Rings of Power is doing exactly what The Hobbit is doing in that they have kind of this story that they're going to tell, but they're really expanding upon it on maybe more stories. See, but that's that... not, that wasn't my issue with The Hobbit Um wasn't that like, oh, I mean, I didn't love that they spent so much time focusing on Gandalf. I felt like The Hobbit could have been like, you know, maybe two movies at most. Um, and you would have really been able, it's The Hobbit. We're supposed to be following Bilbo. But like, okay, fine. You want to expand on that. That's great. My issue with it is they lost sight of the message behind The Hobbit and the story of The Hobbit. Mm. And like when Bilbo is fighting those spiders after like pretty much as soon as he gets the ring he becomes like this really competent and skilled fighter and he's not ever supposed to be that and it becomes more about like oh here's baby's first lord of the rings instead of the story of the hobbit and like watching bilbo's success isn't that he ever becomes a great fighter it's the fact that he's not a great fighter that makes him so good in the role he's set to fill in um in the party and so like just the fact that they really like butchered that character and then you know the action scenes there was a lot that i didn't like there but that was like my biggest issue was like mm. why why is bilbo he's why is he like taking this active role in the battle of five armies and he's suddenly this really skilled fighter and he's really like brave and willing to rush into this battlefield and you're like that's not his character bilbo's mm. not supposed to be a fighter and that's what makes him a really great hero for tolkien is that he's not a fighter so that's that's my core yeah. issue with those movies because there was a lot i thought the movies did well but there was enough that they did wrong that for me it killed it yeah i i, I would agree with that like they did in like in um the first movie i think they did Bilbo pretty well um but then in later on i think they did kind of deviate from Bilbo's character it is one of the uh, few things about the hobby movies i didn't like yeah but what i'm getting at well i guess what i'm kind of getting from both of you is that the rings of power didn't do anything to that to that note but I guess even me, I do have some problems with it. So I want to kind of get those out of the way first. So, Bree, if if you've got one problem, or maybe it's multiple, right now is the time to get it out. Okay. If we're going to say, and this, you know, I'm willing to take it. And as a whole, I really liked the show as a whole. I'm not going to let this, at this point, I guess we'll see where they go. Um, like, I'm not going to let it, like, wreck my enjoyment of the show. But I do not like that they have set up that the stranger is Gandalf. I think the mistake, just just because of how they've had his character meet um, Nori and, and the Harfoots or whatever, and then like all the interactions between them, I think it kind of wrecks the intent behind Gandalf's love of the hobbits isn't because he happened to meet them and they saved him. And so he realizes that like, oh, 
they are capable of doing great things. Like the whole point of the hobbits is that like there's never been a hobbit that's gone down in history in like the world of the big people and it's all like they're just quiet and they keep to themselves and they're gardeners and they're not really like known like academics or soldiers or rulers or anything and Gandalf sees that as an inherently good thing and he sees in them the like that they are great and that's what makes them great and so for me having like okay here comes the stranger and it's Gandalf and not that they like happened to meet or anything but that like the whole reason that you've kind of set up now that Gandalf likes the hobbits is because one time he saw them fight off a bunch of people to rescue him and he realized oh no they can do cool stuff too versus like he sees the inherent good in them and like even Saruman who knew about the hobbits like was like well they're not good for anything and Gandalf standing there like no I see in them that they can do more I don't just let like I see their potential and instead it's like, oh no, no, they can. I had a firsthand experience with them and they can do good stuff. So that I don't love how they've set that up. Well, so at the end of the show, you have you have Gandalf, I guess. It's not it's not confirmed, but it's basically Gandalf. He does he does say the line always follow your nose, which is a Gandalf line. He said it I think twice in the trilogy. Well, and the whole thing with Nori saying like I don't know which way to go and it's Gandalf standing in front of the little hobbit on a grand adventure who's going to lead the way but doesn't know the way like is pretty pretty close. So do you think as their adventure continues, because I'm assuming that's who we're going to follow alongside that storyline in season two and beyond. Do you think you, is the whole idea wrecked for you? Like, is that storyline not in for you or could they possibly turn you around as time goes on? I mean, maybe I just think for me, you've set like the basis of Gandalf's relationship with the hobbits on like this chance encounter where they rescued him. And that's the only reason he even knows of their existence versus, like, couldn't, like, I even would have been willing to, like, be more okay with it if, like, she happened to run into him just on her own. He wasn't in danger, and he kind of fell in with them, and then they went off on this quest. But, like, the fact that, like, his first interaction with them is them sticking their necks out to help him and showing him, like, that friend, like the whole idea that like he's a friend we're gonna help our friends and that's what you know we don't normally go and interfere with these things but we're gonna do it this time because we care about this guy like for me that just wrecks the messaging behind Gandalf's appreci- appreciation for the hobbits mm. which like and I say wrecks but like I just think that it's kind of it's a little too on the nose for storytelling no. like 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 that they didn't trust the audience to put together that like Gandalf just sees the inherent good in the hobbits and he's not brushing them off because they've never done anything great it's the fact that they've been this peaceful quiet people that makes them great like i don't know you guys know like the stupid darman videos on youtube have you ever seen people making fun of him I have heard of it. I pre- I'm pretty sure I've heard All of it, yeah. All of his videos have morals like be nice to people because you don't know if they're secretly rich or they're secretly like something. And it's like kind of the same idea to me. Like, oh, he's nice and he cares about the hobbits because he knows that secretly they can do all these great things. And it's like, I don't know. I feel like I could have pieced as the audience member. I just kind of assumed that that was the case without them having to tell us that one time a hobbit saved Gandalf, and that's why they're friends. I feel like that's fair. I I guess I don't view it in the same light as that. I just think it's a cool writing choice to, oh, that's how they met. But, I mean, that's I think that's totally fair. I mean, you've laid out exactly why. and I don't know. I haven't gotten that, but I, I that makes sense to me. Well, what about you, Parker? How do you feel about The Stranger? I'd probably second what you said. Um, it's not something I'd really thought of as... Um, like wrecking Gandalf's relationship with the hobbits before, um, but now that you explain it, yeah, I that does make sense. Um, yeah, and like I just uh, last week I started listening to the Prancing Pony podcast, um, and throughout the 
bit where, like the first, I'm, I've only gotten through their episodes on the first two chapters, but they spend a lot of time talking about how Tolkien emphasizes that Bilbo and Frodo are not like the rest of the hobbits. The rest of the hobbits would not just go on an adventure or anything. Um, they're very much like stay at home. The worst thing they'll do to you is gossip about you. Um, and But Bilbo and Frodo are hobbits that are good-natured. They care about their friends, and they will go to a mountain halfway across Middle-earth to save their friends. So you're saying that you don't like that these hobbits are much more like Fro- Frodo and Bilbo? Is that what you're getting um, at? Yeah. Okay. That's fair. It doesn't wreck it for me, but that is an interesting point. Yeah. Bree, that's very good. Do you have anything else that you weren't really a fan of on the show? Honestly, no. I think for the most part, anything else would just, for me, be like major nitpicking. I was pretty happy with the route that everything else took. I I was too. What about you, Parker? If you had to say one thing you weren't really a fan of, doesn't have to, I mean, it could be a character, it could be a performance, or it could just be an element of the show. What would you say? You weren't really a fan of. Yes. So this would be kind of tied into the thing. One of the things I liked most about the show was their portrayal of elves. Um, one of my favorite things about the show was Arondir. Um, I think he nailed how Tolkien described how elves act. Um, they're very not human. They're alien. Um but the rest of the elves, and I'd say this about the Peter Jackson trilogy too, is that the elves act pretty human-like. Um, and the timeline compression doesn't help it because one of the big differences between elves and men is elves live forever and men do not. Um, and like in the Cimmerillion, you see like a big thing where uh, men have the gift of death. It's something very important to them. Um, I mean, the whole thing about New Order is they try to cheat death and get to Valinor, and that's why they sink. Um, so when you've removed the time compression and take putting this all in the lifespan of a human, um, you've kind of drifted away from... You've kind of alienated the audience, I guess, from feeling how Numenor feels. Um, you don't get the feeling of oh dang all these humans are dying and elves are just they just keep going on um and i think that may come back and bite them in the butt um doing that only for the elves though or for all the characters in that way um i mean it'll come back to bite amazon in the butt for future seasons when they have to deal with all that um yeah because i think we would feel for Numenor more um, as they start trying to reach for that immortality. No, that makes sense. I was kind of thinking when you start talking about the immortality and how the elves are viewed, like they, they view themselves as higher beings, I guess. And that, that's mm-hmm. that's all across Tolkien. But I really yeah. liked what um, the conversations that uh, Elrond and Durin had. He didn't even think twice that he was gone for however how, how many years it was. 20 years, I think. 20 years. He, had a, he got married. He had a, two kids. And he didn't even decide to drop by. I thought that was really good emotionally for mm-hmm. both of those characters to explore that relationship. But I guess you're right. They don't – those elves do feel much more – not as alien as you. I guess you kind of like. But I also do agree that Arondir is – definitely the coolest elf to follow in the whole storyline but would you say that's it parker is that the only nitpick or i guess it's not even nitpick not really a problem but that's really my only like serious um complaint about it i there's other small nitpicks like um not a big fan of the hair yeah we got hold on we got we got to address this why why are there so many elves that have short hair is this something new that's happened? I always thought before August 2022, I thought elves all had long hair. What happened to that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I had never imagined any elf with short hair. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's not like it's a huge deal. 
that I would say would go in my nitpicks. Yeah. Not a huge yeah, deal. It doesn't that... wreck the show. But it's like Kella Brimbor's got that suave like haircut and it's like only down to here. It's like I don't know. He's going for the little like silver fox vibes, you know. Yes. <laughs> like I don't know, you're getting a little variation in the in the elves. Like yeah. I don't love that there's so many elves like with, that we've seen that have like the really short hair that's like styled more modern. Like I agree, I think that was kind of not a great choice, but I also feel mm. like I don't know, like a little bit of variation. There's only so many ways you can do men with long braided hair before it yeah. gets old. So I guess you know, sure. <laughs> And I guess a stylistic choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Plus, it helps differentiate who's who, I guess. If ever, if I mean, you do have like three or four main elven characters. Really, just Galadriel and Gilgalad have long hair, I think. Right, all the elves at the beginning who get sent to Valinor, I'm pretty sure like all of them have like short hair. Like all the males have short hair. Yeah. At least yeah. from what I recall, you know, I'm like, oh, oh well. See, here and here's my one issue. It kind of got fixed at the end, but my one issue was the characterization of Galadriel. And this actually, now that now that I say it, and what you just said, Parker, it kind of connects to it. I feel like Galadriel's too emotional, even even for how long she's lived. I mean, I I get I know she's not the character that we see in the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit. I get that. I get the two thousand years have passed, but in my mind, she. I mean, is it such a huge deal that Finrod has died that she would sacrifice all thought, logic, or anything and just go, 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 go after the enemy? I like that she was so blind that she allowed Sauron to basically come back into the world. I mean, from what I recall, I'm pretty sure she was one of the ones who... Was it her in the Silmarillion who didn't like trust him at all? Or am I thinking of something else? Oh, it was... It it was her. She was like one of so, the yeah. only elves who didn't trust him and was suspicious. Which so I we'll get... probably see in season two. I mean, we've kind of since seen she's that. she's the only one who knows. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you but... off, but... No, no, Parker, you're right. I didn't even think about that. I mean, think of who knows right now. Obviously, at the end, only you have Sauron, who basically reveals himself. I mean, maybe uh, Elrond knows because he was questioning. I think. Yeah. But I think he figured out that something's off. I would be fine with Elrond knowing either way, because Elrond is Elrond is super smart. But if it's just them, I mean, Celebrimbor, you'd know. I mean, he would totally work with Sauron again. That's going to be interesting to see how it, to see how it all plays out. But that my one thing was at the beginning of the show for like the first six episodes, Galadriel was very emotional, and it felt like the wisdom of the elves was not present in her character at all. I mean, she was there. She was in Valinor. It starts with her in Valinor, which was a, which was an interesting choice mm -hmm. to start the whole show with her and her getting bullied. I would say that's an, that's personally not where I would have started it. I I mean, I didn't think they were gonna sing the universe into existence with Eru Iluvatar, but it's a it, it's an interesting choice to start your show with Galadriel getting bullied. That's just me though. So my one thing, it kind of got fixed at the end, though, because she had her moment, especially with, um, well, back when I thought Halbrand was going to be a good guy, she was talking with him, and they were like, they both felt something on the battlefield, which is weird now in hindsight. Was Halbrand just lying in that sequence? Because you remember that when they're sitting after the battle, and they're both sitting there, and they're like, yeah. I have a conversation, and oh, man, I really felt something. I felt a connection to you when we were on the battlefield. What was that? What does that mean? He's trying to get her to trust him. Yeah, like, I just kind of thought, like, okay, you just went through this horrible battle. Um, you know, that's traumatic, and that's usually, like, in movies, like, the bonding experience for your party anyways. And, like, he clearly can get into people's heads, as we saw. Um, and I just kind of took it as, like, in hindsight, he's manipulating her. Like, he's making her feel this connection... He recognizes mm -hmm. that she's powerful, and if if he can have her at his side, he's going to be able to get himself a lot farther than if he's trying to fight against her. So, Parker, I'm going to shoot this one to you now. Who was, before it was revealed who Sauron was, who was your pick for Sauron, and are you happy or sad that it's Halbrand? 
I honestly had no idea who was going to be Sauron. I had, when we see Halbrin, like, in the alley, like, just destroying, like, the Numenorians, I thought, oh, maybe it might be him. But then he's, like, he does a really good job at selling that he is a good guy. Um, and I saw some, like, some people on Reddit point out that, like, um, oh, he's a master blacksmith. Of course he's Sauron. That went completely over my head. Are you happy it's him, or would yeah. you have liked it to be someone else? I mean, Halbrand's a new character, so, I mean, it's not... It, Lore-wise, it, yeah. it checks out, I feel like. Right? Because, especially... I mean, technically, he's not a new character because he's Sauron. Well, that's true. A new identity for Sauron, yeah. Yes. It's interesting to go about a whole season to start off a, a, a season of Lord of the Rings. Basically, the big conversation was it was a mystery show. The whole time it was, who's Sauron? I mean, obviously, you had the conversation about whether or not it was a good show or not, and then, obviously, you have the nice little Easter eggs of Arendil, and even even Kel um, Celeborn gets a mention in episode mm -hmm. 7, I believe, is it? The, the, the one before the end, so. which... I, I love that because everyone got so mad that he was not in the show. That it was like, what? He's not being written in the show. Oh, turns out he was gone. Turns out he was gone. Maybe if you guys waited and didn't get so mad, you guys would be, uh, you guys would be a little happy right now. But, Bree, who was your theory as to who it was? And are you happy it's Halbrand? So, I'm going to say this with, I am aware that I fell for their little misdirection, like hook, line, and sinker. Mm -hmm. I really thought it was a stranger just because... From the whole storytelling perspective like they drop him in he looks like the eye of sauron you've got these creepy people chasing him he's kind of like dubious and so i thought like oh oh they're gonna have it be that like Dory protected sauron and like even though she didn't know he was evil and like they're gonna set it up that she was in the right to help somebody even though she didn't know who he was she gave him a chance where like technically she would have been right to leave him to die but because she didn't know he was evil that would have made her morally wrong and then it would be a nice foil to Galadriel who really was like you know would come in and be like well why didn't you just kill him when you had the chance and you know it would kind of fit both those stories together nicely so I thought that's the route they were going I am not upset about it being Halbrand I think that that was really clever I think like Parker said he did a really good job of like selling that he's the good guy but also being like kind of shady so you were never really sure like like you're kind of like I think you're the good guy but I also don't know like what your deal is like there's something going on um and so I thought that was kind of like a fun I did say I did say when we first started watching it and some people were like no, I want the stranger to be Gandalf. And I was like, no, I want it to, like, hurt when they reveal who Sauron is, that, like, you were totally betrayed. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. And I feel like they did a good job with that. But, like, right at the end, just that, like, gut punch of, oh, crap, she's helped Sauron, and because of her actions, the one guy she wanted to destroy has been able to do more than he ever would have been able to do. And that, like, Galadriel just fell fell for it and put him in a position of greater power and now she's having to deal with the ramifications of that i thought that was clever i i will also say just thinking about it like right now if they had instead of halbrand they had gone with anatar who Sauron did go by in the second age people will have seen that right away um by making him halbrand instead of anatar we're left in the mystery too like, um, we're just as confused as everyone else is, and I think they really did a good job selling that. In my opinion, that's the way to go, right? If you have Anatar, where is the mystery or the conflict? We know it the whole time. It's like the Chekhov's gun thing. It's not as interesting, though, because you know the whole thing and you're just waiting for it to reveal itself. This time we play along with the characters in the story as, who is it? Because the whole time... There are times, especially in Numenor, when Halbrand says, oh, this place is full of potential, you know? And it's like, that's weird, because in the Silmarillion, he goes to Numenor, and he's like, oh, and he helps. I mean, he, he Bree, we were talking about how he, he's does, he does human sacrificing 
on Numenor, which eventually gets weird. It mm-hmm. gets really weird. I mean, in the Gold Dome in the show, and that, if I remember, it's been a while since I've read the Silmarillion, so if you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I believe he sets up like that palace with the dome. I remember them describing that was like the pride of Numenor, and he sets that up as like this human sacrificing, Morgoth worshiping cult center. And we've seen the dome. They've done a lot of flyovers of the city and focused on that castle with the gold dome. So I'm very excited to see the route that they go with that. You know, like that could be really creepy and really cool. Yes, and it's it's interesting to see the route because now Sauron has been to Numenor. So is he going to go back there and it's going to start the whole thing? I mean, I'm assuming that Numenor is going to fall at some point. Also. If you haven't read the Silmarillion or know anything about the fall of Numenor, I wouldn't really... I mean, we're going to be spoiling it. It's 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 in a book that's been over, what, 40, 50 years old now? So. I mean, you might want to edit this part to be before you start talking about the fall of Numenor. Yeah, right. Because, like, <laughs> retroactively major spoiler alerts, guys. We don't know how the show's going to handle it. But, I mean, that's a pretty big... That's pretty big. But the same thing is, though, with Halbrand, and saying these things that make you seem like he's Sauron, that all of the clues you have of him being like beating up, brutally beating up those guys and a blacksmith. And, but then he seems like he's good at times. And he seems like he really cares for the Southlands because he's like, I could never live up to it. You get, they use him as a prototype Aragorn, I guess, or maybe a pre Aragorn of basically saying, Oh, I'm not worthy of this. Just like Aragorn does. So you're like, okay, maybe they're setting him up to be an Aragorn type character. But then you get subtle little things. You're like, okay, maybe not. So, Parker, I know this was... Because I watched it with Bree. I know this was it for us. But was it for you when you noticed? Because when he when they're building the rings and he finally says... They're all like, wow, you really know your stuff or whatever. And he says, call it a gift. To me, right then and there, I was like, okay, he's Sauron. The Lord of Gifts, Anatar... He calls it a gift. Boom, that's him. That has to be Sauron. I didn't realize it right away, but it was like, oh, maybe no more than five minutes later, someone else said something. I like put two and two together. I'm like, oh my gosh, gift, this thing, he's Sauron. Yes, and so that's what I like. That's what I like that they're doing. As much as the fanboys will say that it's not for the fans, they're ruining Tolkien's message. I feel like if you are a fan, if you are a fan, because this show is more enjoyable. Not to... Ethan is not really the biggest fan of this show. Micah is struggling through it. They're not the biggest fans of the extended lore. But for all three of us, we have read the extended material. We know everything that happens around it. And so I feel like if you know that, you're going to be a fan of this show. Just because of all the little Easter eggs you get in conversations about Arendelle's star. I mean, one of the whole messages that helps Durin through it is Elrond talking about his father and how he becomes a star. And if you don't know that, it's, oh, it's a nice story in morals. But if you do know it, you're like, okay, this is an awesome story that's finally being told. And I can hear about Arendelle, one of the coolest characters in all of Tolkien's lore. I feel like that for Tolkien fans, despite what people are saying... I feel like it's totally all there, and I just don't get what people are so upset about. Even to this day, right now, I don't get it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a hot take out there, but I think people are so upset because it's kind of like what the downfall of a new trilogy of the Star Wars movies was, where it was fans just kind of wanted a checklist of familiar things and answers to questions that they had that don't really drive the story. And so it was like, you know, fans want to know what color Ray's lightsaber is. So instead of doing anything cool with her, like creating her own new weapon and that would really fit with her character, which I know hard left turn talk about Star Wars for a sec, but like they just have her like ignite her yellow lightsaber. And then it was like, okay, check. We can mark that one off the list. And it, at least number nine just objectively was not a good movie yes and i say that as someone who's not like a super fan of star wars but like that was by far the worst movie of any star wars media you know i've ever seen that was terrible and it was so boring because you can't make a movie off of checklists and so like i think you've got fans with this wanting to see we want to see 
this, 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 and this. And it's fun to see those things in the show. And I really enjoy seeing, you know, like I would have liked to see Ungolian eat the trees in Valinor. I thought that was cool. But I understand why they didn't include it. And that's not going to wreck the show for me. Maybe in the future we'll get something of that. But I don't know. Like I don't really care that we're not keeping it like 100% because I think they've respected the lore in their handling of this enough that I'm willing to say it's not like a one-to-one, but they're telling a good story and respecting the lore they've pulled it from. So I don't need my checklist to satisfy the super fans because it's there. It's just not, they're not making a point of mm. having some guy show up and say, hello, my name is Anatar. I used to be Sauron and this is my deal now. And now I want to be nice. <laughs> like it's just, that would be so boring. Like, I don't want to watch a show like that. Do you think that's what they were all in for, Parker? I think that's a really... I didn't even think about that. I think that's really good. I didn't think about that either, but it makes a lot of sense. 100%. Why aren't you guys happy? Because we're not... Like, I don't know. Oh, man. I will say one other thing about people not being happy is... uh, And I was like this, too, is... Going up to it, I did not have an open mind about it. I went into it saying, this is going to be bad. They're throwing out half the lore... They're making five seasons off, like, 30 pages in the appendices. Um, And I think a lot of people... I mean, there are probably some people who just generally didn't like it, but I think there's a lot of people who just didn't want to be proven wrong. And I I can definitely say I was proven wrong. I did not have high expectations for the show. I thought it would be pretty bad. And I was wrong. I've really enjoyed it. Good. Well, I'm glad, because... Even I, you don't really hear from him anymore, and now the show's over with. So, I feel like the conversation won't really start back up until season two comes around. But I'm hoping as time goes on, because it's always more fun to be a part of a fan base that really enjoys the content that's being put out. As a Star Wars fan, for about three or four years, it was not fun to be a part of the Star Wars fan base. And as much as I would like to get into why the sequels failed, that's a podcast for another day. But I do like what you had to say, Bree, about that. Because, yes, 9 is objectively the worst film. At least The Last Jedi was trying to do something. Whether or not that was good is up for discussion. But it was trying to do something. Endgame was just, how do we, uh, uh, Endgame. Rise of Skywalker was just, let's play, let's play with what fans want. It was way too much about the fans and not about the story. And this, mm-hmm. The Rings of Power, was, I feel like, carefully thrown together. Because, I mean, they started production in 2018 to serve the fans and newcomers alike, regardless of how much action there was, because I feel like that was something that was like big into people's minds, because it was, oh, there's not enough action in it. Yeah, granted, there was a, a lot of yeah. talking, but it makes the it makes the I, ending really nice. I will say, I if... How the action if, no. versus the talking has not watched the Lord of the Rings movie, because it's like, I remember being younger watching it, and I was like, you know, every scene is... 45 minutes of intense fighting and then like 45 minutes of intense planning our next <laughs> fight and then another 45 minutes of the next fight like there just is a lot of talking there's a lot of sitting down and planning things like that just kind of is lord of the rings yeah and i mean like if you read the fellowship of the ring you'll be reading for like a week before you get to weathertop um and that's not even the biggest like anywhere close to the biggest fight of the books like moria's really the only like fight fight or the first like fight fight of the books and that's close to the end like if you're complaining there's not enough action (laughs) maybe you should read what the show is based off of and realize that tolkien's not about action in the hobbit the only big battle battle of the five armies he just knocks bilbo out and skips the whole thing which Peter Jackson effectively says, nah, we're going to show you about uh, an hour and a half of this. Legit, the battle in the Battle of Five Armies is long. Tripping over Bilbo's invisible, unconscious body on the ground, and, like, that could have been fun, but no, we had him fight instead, so that's fine, I guess. He did get knocked out, though. He did get knocked out, but not before playing with the Arkenstone and warning Thorin and doing a lot of things on the battlefield that he doesn't do in the book. If I remember The Hobbit, Bilbo did not participate in the... He put the ring on because he got freaked out and then tripped on a rock, right? Like, well, no. Sure he hit his head and got knocked out, yeah. He doesn't participate 
No, yeah. He definitely doesn't participate in the book. It's very... They, they skip right over it. But yes, I agree. So, is... So I want to say favorite character. Parker, would you say Arondir is your favorite character in the show? Because the show has a plethora of different characters. And I do want to talk about favorite storyline too. Because effectively, there are certain storylines that do not get wrapped up in the whole show. So, first we'll do character though. Who would you say your favorite character was in this show? Yeah, I I think I'd go with Arondir. Um, I also really liked Halbrand. Um... Yeah, it'd be between those two, I think. Why was why do you think he did it so well for you? Was it just because he was pure Tolkien elf, or is it more that than that? That was a big part of it, but he also had a very compelling story to me. Even though there's a part of me that's like, uh, he's in an elf-human relationship that shouldn't be happening right now. Um, there's still just something about it that it was he was very well written, um, very well acted. Um, I just, I just like him. Very good. What about you, Bree? Who's your favorite character? I don't think I've asked you this one yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like it's really hard to pick because there's a lot of things I like about all of the characters. I don't have, like I said, I don't really have any major complaints about anybody. Like it's just fun. I have a couple characters that are not my favorite, but on the whole, like. I don't know. I, I don't think for me, I, I guess The Hobbit would kind of be your exception because it's mostly focusing on Bilbo, but like the Lord of the Rings trilogy is not like a single character driven story. It's focusing on even once the party splits. And so it's like, it's kind of hard to say like, this is my favorite character because they all have their moments and their different things that they're doing. And I think we're seeing the same thing here where you've got these like branching storylines that are all connected. I Yes, I actually really do like the way that they portrayed Galadriel. Um, I, I have, I've actually thought that was kind of a cool choice, make her so angry and vengeful because it's, again, it's circling back to Tolkien's whole theme of like, fighting isn't for the glory in battle, and like she, and and she has that scene where she's telling, Adar, that like she's gonna like kill all of his children and make him watch and then come back and kill him and it's like wow okay hold on a second like you've majorly lost sight of what you're fighting for and so i think that given that we now have we have four more seasons of this that we're gonna see they're not gonna obviously just leave her in super mean vengeful mode they're going to wrap up that character arc and you've lost sight of your battle by allowing yourself to become the thing you're trying to fight so i i mm. i guess if i had to pick one i do enjoy galadriel um and her character i think that was a very good take i i'm glad i've come around to it that's what i'll say just at the start it was a little jarring for me but I'm glad that someone likes it because she gets all the hate online. Like, she's the main character who gets the most hate online. But I guess I never really thought about it like that. This is very good. It's, help, it's really helping me to hear constructive comments about this show and not just, oh, they throw away the lore, you know. So <laughs> I would say it's a tie for me between Elrond and uh, Elendil. Uh, I thought Elendil was, like, really, really good. I really liked the actor that they got for him. And I thought Elrond was portrayed perfectly. Elrond Halfelvin, the lore master, and that whole universe. I, I love how he started off writing uh, King Gilgalad's speeches. I just, he was so perfect to me, and the relationship between him and Durin really, really worked. The portrayals were perfect. And that also happened to be my most, well, the most interesting story for me was actually Arondir's. And I would say probably, Parker, you'd agree with that, right? I would actually say Elrond and Durin's subplot was my favorite. Wh okay, why so? It was just like, there was nothing in there that ever felt like boring or unnecessary. Like, just each and every time Elrond and Durin come up, I was just like, oh, I'm in for a good time. Uh, I just really enjoy those two. Bree, what about for you? The storyline you were most invested in, I guess, 
Is that unfair to say? They were all pretty good, but if you connected with one most. I'm going to have to go with Bronwyn and Arondir's story. I think it's really cool. I actually would kind of disagree with what you guys were saying earlier about like their portrayal of the elves. And I think this storyline is why is that you see Arondir coming in. And even though he kind of like has the hots for this one human woman, he also, which, you know, side note, he mentions he's been watching this place for 75 years. She's definitely like maybe 40. So just a little note, like they kind of tried to gloss over that, but I did catch that, you know, he definitely met her grandparents. Um, Catchiness aside, um, you know, he talks about how they've been, and, and the other elves that he's with have been watching this place for 75 years, and all these humans are the same, and they make a point to show, like, like the real tension there, that, like, they haven't given these people a chance to grow from the mistakes of their ancestors who are, for the most part, on. Like, I think Waldrig is, like, the only one that would have remembered a lot of these other people are clearly too young to have participated in any meaningful way and so I kind of thought that was cool is that you you've seen a Rondier come around and be like okay hold on the elves aren't all that and it's a good foil to the Ladriel story where you know her whole beef with Numenor is you've lost sight of the elven ways and the elves are really haughty in the Lord of the Rings. And like that was, if I remember right, maybe I'm wrong, but I always kind of pictured them as being portrayed as looking down on the other races because they're not immortal and because they're not like the first that were created. They weren't in Valinor. Um, I kind of like that story with Bronwyn and Arondir. I was one of the only times, I think it was the only time in any Lord of the Rings media I've consumed where I've actually felt like anxiety that the orcs were coming um that was mm -hmm. frightening and really stressful i don't know if it was just because they had a crying baby in the background of like a couple of those scenes but that i was like oh man okay and this is this is a little this is a little nerve-wracking i'm not sure who's gonna make it out of this one so i really liked their story arc i really did think they were gonna kill her she had i think two arrows like right into her side and i was like oh shoot this is why this relationship doesn't get talked about in tolkien because she dies like this isn't one of those things that goes down in the annals of all of tolkien but i totally agree with you i felt tense i think that was the episode that mm -hmm. parker you and i watched together and i yeah. remember being on the edge of my seat sitting and watching yeah, it on this very are. laptop yeah it was a good episode that Probably, yeah. and that's my next question, what would you say your favorite episode was, if you can remember? I think for me, it's the sixth episode, when they attack mm -hmm. that whole, even though the last episode's really, really good, when they create the rings and you, everything is revealed, I really like, because they focus, in my opinion, the strength of that episode, even though I like the multiple stories, is they focus on one, specifically, pretty much the whole time, and then another one comes in, basically, and the two stories combine, and it just meshed really well. The action was awesome. And Brie, you're right. It was really, really tense. So would that be your favorite episode as well, Parker? Or would you say something different? Yeah, I would agree. Even though I just said that Elrond and Durin was my favorite storyline, I would still say that's my favorite episode, even though they were not in it at all. And I, I think that's the highest rated as far as episodes go on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb as well. So that one at least is agreed upon as well but Bree, would you agree or would you say a different episode no i'd say that was probably my favorite i really did enjoy the last episode i thought the reveal was really nice i was a little nervous with how they were going to handle it just because i was like oh you could totally botch this they did a really good job um but i think overall and again it goes back to my big sticking point with tolkien and any adaptations of his work is it really captures theme that glory is not in the battlefield it's what you're fighting for and so like they showed just the absolute horror that a fight like that would really be that that up to this point you know for better or for worse we haven't seen in lord of the rings media like I, the, mm -hmm. they're violent but they're not really like 
gory for the most part. It's kind of used as like maybe like you see the arrow sticking out of Boromir as like that extra punch, but usually it's kind of like coy cutaways and you know somebody just got killed, but you don't really see it on screen. And this is like you're watching this orc's bleeding eye like falling onto Rondier for like a minute and a mm. half. And it, there was just so much blood and it was like, yeah, this is not somewhere like it's not fun to fantasize being in this situation. It's like, it's scary. It's like, okay, wait, if I was here, like the, it made it feel, you know, for lack of a better word, like real. And so mm -hmm. I think I would say I liked that. That was probably one of the best fight scenes I've seen in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, and part of the reason I really like that is because um, Tolkien was in World War One. He knows how deadly war can be. And World War One was like the turning point in that before World War One, um, you did go to war for glory. Like, um, it was because everyone was constantly at war and you're like, oh, I'm headed off to war. I'm going to go win a battle and come back home and everyone will be like, wow, he's so cool. But after World War One, so many people died. So many people came back injured that that kind of stopped happening. Um, and you definitely see that in Lord of the Rings. Um, and yeah, yeah, he goes a lot more into it in like the scoring of the Shire, I think. Um, you can really see that. It took me back to, especially the action in it, it took me back to the first time and subsequent times when I was younger watching the Battle of Helm's Deep. I remember that battle being very, it had a very significant impact on me and that I was affected in that every part of me watching that was like, if I was there, the last place I would want to be is near these orcs at all. These things are so brutal. And it like, like if I was one of those guys who fell from the Hornburg into the army of orcs, I would be, I would be like, okay, kill me now. I, I'm going to kill myself. I'm not going to deal with it. Like it was that I mean, level. Sure you probably wouldn't have to kill yourself in that situation. <laughs> Just thinking about it, you know, you wouldn't even have time to think about it. You'd be dead. But that's the thing. I, I was scared of it when I was younger. I think the first time I actually watched it was with you, Bree. Thank you for scarring me, as well as with Shelob. Because, listen, man, those movies, even now, though, like, that's why those movies have such a significant impact. Because it has that effect on you. And I think Rings of Power has definitely done that for me. And it sounds like both of you, because it's visceral and it definitely i think does capture the spirit of tolkien and i cannot wait to see where it goes in the future because that's what i want to talk about now all of us here have read the extended materials we pretty much know the main outline of how it goes so for the future if you don't want to know i would not listen to this but both of you know where the story goes so is there something that you know of that you would really want to see in future seasons of the Rings of Power, because season two is in production right now, and I want to shoot this to Bree first. If you could pick one thing that you definitely would totally put in season two, three, four, or five of Rings of Power, what would it be? Okay, this is going to sound like really messed up, what I'm about to say, so just bear with me. Okay. If we do not see the human sacrifice Morgoth worshipping cult take over Numenor, and I don't get a pan over shot of the black smoke coming out from that gold dome that they have been panning over this entire time, I am going to be so mad. That is like, that would just be such an awesome, like from the storytelling perspective, it would just be such an awesome like juxtaposition of the absolute, like all the scenery, all the shots of Numenor, the flyovers of Numenor are awesome. They look amazing. I know people were worried about the imagery and the costuming and stuff before the show came out, and I think they've knocked it out of the park. Um, I think it looks amazing, and if we don't get a comparison shot in later seasons of, of that absolute crushing defeat, you've got this amazing kingdom, and now they have just fallen to the depths of depravity. I I think that'll be a really big missed opportunity. They're, all of the pieces are there. You've got Arpharazan, who kind of seems like he's scheming. Like, he definitely doesn't support me. For sure. He's kind of doing what he thinks is best. And he could kind of use 
finding out about Halbrand being Sauron as his way to like make his bid for the throne, bring him back into Numenor. And then from there, it would be very easy to like just wrap that in. So that's what I want to see. I want to see Numenor get crushed, but specifically because they start worshiping Morgoth. <laughs> I'm going to be really mad if I don't get that shot. It would be. It, I think that would be amazing. Just the concept of that. You told me about that before I read it. And then reading that, I was like, holy cow. This is like the exact opposite of anything good that could ever happen. Like, they start to worship. And it, I mean, it has biblical implications as well. Like, it's that big of a deal where they're basically oh, yeah. worshiping the devil. It would be really, really cool. And they've got their whole thing with, like, the, the petals falling off of that tree being like that the Valar are watching. And, I mean, you could totally, any writers for this show who are listening right now, all you got to do, okay, you have your little flyover, we look at the dome, you see people being let in, there's the smoke billowing out. You don't even have to show us people getting, like, you know, killed or whatever. It's cool. Do, do your thing. But then you can have, like, you can pan by and there's the tree and the petals are falling, and you can have it go across, like, the face of a main character that we know is a good guy in Numenor, like, uh, Elendil, right? Did I get his name right? I'm, I'm blanking for a yeah. sec. We know he's a good guy. You could have the petals go across his face, and he's sad as he's looking up at this dome where people are being sacrificed tomorrow. There you go. There you go. I've set it all up for you. You can... I, I give you permission. <laughs> you don't have to credit me. You can use this scene in your show. No, Just no. Just seeing you... that will make me happy. You do have to credit this. It's come from Sabrina Anderson at Multiverse Monologues. This is totally our idea. <laughs> no, that would be so epic. Absolutely. You've got it. They did say that one of their main things, and that story comes straight from the Silmarillion. So that's going to be interesting to see how they'll adapt that because I don't know how much the appendices go into that. So I don't remember that coming up in the appendices. I don't either. The human sacrifice part. Bit. I do remember them, like, he definitely mentions the Morgoth worshipping cult, but I'd have to read it again, but I don't remember him mentioning the human sacrifices. And I mean, you could probably dance around the copyright a little bit with that, because, mm -hmm. like, the Tolkien house doesn't own the concept of human sacrifice in devil-worshipping cults, so, mm -hmm. I mean, that probably falls under fair use. There you go. That's the scene. It's right there for you. I would love it. That would be so, so cool. What about you, Parker? If you could have one event that you want to see or a character that could potentially pop up in the future of the Rings of Power, who who would that be? Or who? what would the scene be? You can take as much time to think about it as you want. I am, I am really just kind of looking forward to seeing how they take everything because like um you've got a lot of subplots that aren't like wrapped up like a rondier and bronwyn has to end some way um uh isildur is still missing in action dead um, quote unquote yeah, yeah. elrond and durin I they, yeah, there was a Belrog at the back, at the bottom of the mountain. We have no idea what happened after that. Yeah, I, I am excited to see the Balrog come out. Um, yeah, I, I trust what they're doing now, and I am looking forward to seeing how they're going to wrap up the stuff that they're kind of going off script for. If you kind of catch my meaning. I do. I absolutely. For me, and I don't know if this is going to happen or not, I just would love it as a way of connecting everything. The trilogies, I, I would love to see it end with The Last Alliance. Like, just them all coming together, because you have pretty much every storyline. Elrond's there. You have Gilgalad, who's there. You have Isildur. You have Elendil, who's there. All of who are characters right now in the show that we're growing with, that we know right now and with two three four four seasons of build-up you have this huge battle at the end with sauron who is now in mordor which side note as the as it pans out of his eye and you see the mountain of doom i love that imagery of the eye of sauron obviously like 
I love that. It was so good. But you have it all right here in the bare bones. So ending it with the huge battle of all battles, the last alliance. Oh my gosh. And just to get the little taste in Lord of the Rings, I'd love to see the whole thing play out. Because you have all the ingredients. It's right there. Oh, it's right there. I, and so that, for me, long term. I mean, who knows? They might do it in season three or four. But I would love that. That would be chef's kiss. Yes. But uh, I did hear that they did confirm that the last two episodes of season two will be a big, like a single big long battle over two episodes. I doubt that's uh, the last alliance. Probably not, right? But, yeah. Right? Because what do you do yeah, after that? <laughs> a smaller battle is only two episodes. I, the last alliance will be pretty cool. Right? How do you end the show? You end the show with defeating the Dark Lord. Asildur cuts his hand. Right. You know, like, that's how you gotta end it, man. It would be, it's perfect. Perfectly into the Hobbit, and then from there it's all taken care of. Exactly. It's, it's, it's all there. It's in, the, it's in the pudding. That's where you go. So who knows? Who knows where they'll see it? But I, I think I echo all of us in saying that I'm very, very excited for season two. It could not come soon enough. Unfortunately, I think we are eyeing right now as far as the chatter goes online, a fall 2024 release date. We've got to wait about two years for it. Maybe it'll come out earlier, but I think they would keep to the fall release date. So they just started filming. So they've got to go over visual effects and everything like that. So we've got a, uh, we've got a ways to go. But uh, I, think, I think that wraps it up. If you guys have anything else to say, now's the time. Otherwise, I, I, I think that does it, guys. This has been a fabulous conversation, and I am very much looking forward to season two when it premieres. And uh, otherwise, I think we're all good. Thank you guys for coming on. I really appreciate it. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. And we appreciate you guys for listening. And we hope that you guys have an absolutely fantastic day. Thank you.